Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I'm Renee Coleman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge in the heart of the Clempire with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, it's uh, certainly uh, quieted down here at the old Christmas Club Lounge since the last time we were in here. Yeah, well, uh, there's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> it's all downhill it's all for the downhill rest of the year. that last uh, <laughs> time we were here, which was crazy going nuts. Yeah, they had the 30th anniversary party for Snake and Jake's Christmas Club and, Lounge. And that... Was we recorded it right? Yeah, yeah, we recorded. That's the episode that's that's uh, that that we have coming up. Okay. And uh, but then so that was on uh, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, right. the same triple witching day we referred to it. And uh, and then on Saturday they had uh, kind of the weekend version. It started at four o'clock in the afternoon, I guess, over here. And uh, and I had a recording session with John Mooney. Uh, we were recording the new John Mooney record, basic tracks for that, on Friday and Saturday. After that, I came over and saw you, your wife, my wife, my son, his roommate. Had uh, uh, well, uh, I think that 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 thing on Saturday was to celebrate. Um, they were having a guest bartender. Well, I think that's why they had the guest bartender was was like the the bigger uh, weekend version of the 30th anniversary party. That's, oh, I didn't get yeah, that yeah, at yeah. all. That's, yeah, that's why they had the oh. was the, it was one of the Mackles. We have the the Mackle twins here in New Orleans, right? Fletcher and Travers. And one is a sports anchor, and one is the news anchor, and they both work at the same station. Mm-hmm. And I think the sports anchor was here. Okay, well, they're identical twins. Right, one, yeah, they're one, identical twins. One was supposed to be here, and in fact, he couldn't make it, and he sent uh, his twin in as a sub, and oh, uh, I see. nobody knew the difference. Well, it seems like your son and his friend were like groupies to him or something. So my like, son has a thing going with that he has a favorite mackle, and I'm not sure which is which. I think he, he may... Uh, I think he likes the anchor. Travers? The, the news anchor, yeah. Okay. And his friend was... Uh, all over the sports anchor. Okay, well, yeah, it's uh, some just kind of joke, running joke that they have going between them. Oh, so. I see. Well, they were all excited. Right. And, uh, I was talking, but the thing I wanted to know is uh, which was which one was banging Helena Moreno that time. Right. Know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think don't know. I think it was the news anchor. At least the guy who was here Saturday. You think it was him? I asked him, I said, were you the one banging Helena Moreno? <laughs> okay. And he said, no, that was my brother. Oh, okay. Who was the news anchor because the sports guy was here Saturday. Okay. And I said, but yeah, but you're identical twins. You never pulled the switcheroo on her? <laughs> you know? You ever sure. just say, hey, you want to bang her too, brother? <laughs> and he kind of laughed and he didn't really... Didn't, know, he, didn't he, acknowledge he uh, didn't, either way. Yeah, but I bet they did. <laughs> yeah, Fuck, why not? It's one of the oldest, oldest tricks in the book. Yeah, you know? I had a pair of twins do that to me, these chicks in L.A. Really? Yeah, that was good times. Huh, now, you, they probably didn't need to fool you. I mean, they didn't need to pull no, the wool no, over no, you. No, you, you no, no. <laughs> I would have done them both at one time. It didn't matter to me. Oh, that's wrong. You know, but uh, those were good times. Sure, sure, sure. It was back in the 90s. Yeah, they huh? were the Doubleman twins. Oh, wow. They, I nicknamed them, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One was Sugar and one was Sugarless. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, that happened here. And, right. uh, 
Now we're back to the, the normal. It's uh, sleepy in here. <laughs> normal graveyard yeah. it is. <laughs> well, it'll yeah. be picking up later on, but uh, yeah. we, we like it right like this. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's calm. You can, you can collect your thoughts. Yeah, uh, and uh, we can do the show in peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, no yeah. dogs here. Well, there is a dog, oh, but really? he's not bothering oh, you Jesus. yet. Well, uh, you know, the, to, to get back to uh, something that I'd spoken about several times on the show, the, the property tax uh, dispute that I had with Orleans Parish on one of my properties. Uh-huh. And uh, I first, uh, you know, appealed it to the, the, uh, the, the assessor. Um, they got no satisfaction. I appealed it to the city council. I got no satisfaction. It finally went to the state board of review. And a uh, woman called me on the phone and said, we're going to go look at the property. You want to come down here and meet us? I was like, no, no, I think I've said all I need to say. You know, I'm paying too much. Anyway, so I uh, finally looked the other day, and Board of Review actually gave me some satisfaction, actually uh, reduced the, uh, the assessment to more within the, uh, the appropriate limit. So, again, you can, uh, you can fight City Hall, apparently. Really? Okay. Oh, well, I'm cool. very happy for you. Yeah. That sounds very great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, well uh, so you got something else, Fanny? No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, on the same, by the same token, you know, again, fighting City Hall or, you know, fighting the law, I received another school zone camera ticket recently. <laughs> You know, and I think the school is not even open. It's Lafayette School on Carrollton Avenue, and I saw a, th- a thing on the news today about how they're rushing to open the school up. So I don't think it's even, but they're they're already issuing tickets. But uh, so I, I already put my uh, my dispute letter in the mail. I'm going to pursue the. Uh, He's the, got a lot of time on his hands. Well, you know, it's too much time. Yeah. Well, too much time. <laughs> too much time. <laughs> I could tell. Clearly, I put out a podcast a week. Obviously, I don't have enough to do. Um, so, I, I, you know, the last few times I, uh, I've gone down there, as soon as I get to the city attorney, I fill out that I'm, you know, I'm sign in. The city attorney comes out and says, okay, we're going to dismiss this. And the reason being, no affidavit. So, uh, so you're going to do the same I'm, I'm going to do, do the same thing. So, I'll, you know, I, I suggest everybody in the troubled nation. Now, where are you going to get these tickets, I mean, where? I mean, how come you're getting these tickets all the time? And well, how come I'm you're driving so fast. Well, I'm not. It's it's only like you know, if I wind up going 25 miles an hour in a 24, and you're never sure is the school zone in effect? Is the school open? You know, everybody else is zooming past now, me. Why are you going by schools all the time? You've well, got a problem. Well, <laughs> is there something I mean, we should know about? Not anymore. You know. Um, no, no, that's that's all in the past. No, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I live uh, Carrollton Avenue has several schools uh, on it, and I drive up and down Carrollton Avenue several times a day. You know, it's uh, I got, I got my house is right off of that. I have my rental properties at the other end, and uh, so you know, just maybe you should stay away from Carrollton. Yeah, go a, a different route. Yeah, well, so, I don't like going down Carrollton yeah, no, because I, of the camera. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it, you but. Know? Uh, I haven't had to pay a ticket in four years, so I'm going to continue uh, this, and uh, we'll see. Streak's about to end, probably. Right, you could, never could know. be, could be. You never know. Well, you know, when we were uh, one thing, we, we were uh, at the the last episode, the party. It was also Ash Wednesday, uh-huh. and uh, something I had in my notes that I that it, we didn't get to is there's a an Ash Wednesday based movie. That was shot in New Orleans, and it's uh, it's about the killer bees invading America, and I might have talked about this before on the podcast, but but uh, 
it was like a made-for-TV movie in the the maybe like '76 or something. And bees invade and America. So it's you remember when they had the Africanized killer bees that had oh, gotten loose, yeah, and they were in South America. They were kind of working their way up north, and they're starting to see some in Texas. So this is uh, this movie is produced where they actually these bees get into Louisiana. In, uh, uh, you know, in on the, Ash Wednesday. Uh, well, in the in the days leading up to, to, I guess during carnival season, but they're out there in the in the rural section, and uh, you know, there's a, a you know researcher who's out there discovering them and going to alert everybody, but there's some somebody's trying to keep it quiet. Anyway, the 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 big uh, peak of the movie is they have a Volkswagen Beetle that is completely covered in uh, killer bees like blanketed in killer bees. But they realize that that day is, the day this is happening is Ash Wednesday. And they, the streets of New Orleans will be empty because it's Ash Wednesday. And they have this, the newly opened Superdome, which can get down to like 55 degrees with the, the super air conditioning. And Africanized bees, if it gets below 60 degrees, they, they uh, go unconscious. So, was so this the movie with Michael Caine? I don't think it's Michael Caine. No, it was I think a made for TV. It's movie? made for TV. Yeah, it's Did called Lalo Schifrin. Do the music? Uh, I don't know. It's called oh. the the kill the Savage Bees. You can look it up. The Savage Bees. I saw it when it ran the first time, and I I always remembered that. Anyway, so every Ash Wednesday, I always think of that, and they they pull the the VW Bug into the Superdome. They bring the you see on the the screens the temperature dropping. Finally. 61, a couple of them start to fall off, 60, a couple more, 59, they all oh, fall man. off dead, and they, they get out, and they're all saved. Anyway. And they do this during a game? No, no, no. Oh. It's, it's Ash Wednesday. No, it's there. Cause now, did clowns come out of this VW? Not, 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 not that I saw. Not in the version. Because that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, I would have watched yeah. that. It would have been clowns. a real twist there. Yeah. yeah right. Turned yeah. into a clown car movie. That's good. Yeah. Right. right. So okay, so All there's right. killer. So, it was, it was like, called the Killer Bees. The, the Savage Bees. Oh, the yeah, Savage yeah, yeah, yeah. Bees. Any any actors in it we'd know? No, no, it's n nobody that I remember. Just I think Radar O'Reilly, Gary Berghoff was huh. in it. He was having his moment. Yeah, yeah, he played yeah. one of the bees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Rip Rip Taylor played the Queen Bee. Okay, I would now now it's getting better. I like yeah. this. I like this imaginary movie. Yeah, Rip Taylor. With uh, with bee tentacles on and yeah. uh, and and a whole clown car, a whole uh, v VW bug of of clowns. Oh yeah, we gotta use. I'll YouTube it when I get yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Check, we'll it check it out. We could do the sequel. There we go. There we go. There <laughs> the you go. Sequel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Um, but uh, anything else? Uh, you know what happened? Uh, what I noticed uh, hmm. this past week. Uh, uh, you know, I I I. I I go to my club a few t few times a week, and and I um, take I like to take the sauna. We've had a lot of former guests of ours who sure. in the sauna with me, like uh, Steve Pike and our friend Jeff Treffinger. We're all members, and we all seem to bump into each other in the sauna during I'll our bet. workouts. But there's a lot of bumping in the sauna. Yeah, um, but what? <laughs> this is the funniest thing. I was in there. This past Friday or Saturday, and there's about four or five guys in there. And there's this one guy who is on his cell phone, and he's having an argument, 
a texting argument with somebody <laughs> under his breath. He's like going, oh, well, what about that? that? You know, he's like saying this stuff under his breath while he's texting this person. Then he waits for the response. He's like, oh, you know, it's like very angry, very angry. And there's like, there are signs all over the place saying, you know, refrain from uh, gadget use. And because, you know, you're in there to relax. You, know, sure. you want to sweat, you want to relax, feel that heat. And all that kind of stuff. You don't want to hear a bunch of pings. Yeah, you don't want to hear all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Some people, some people come on with those huge headphones, and you can hear their music uh-huh. a little bit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you know, it's just like, come on, man. So enough of us. Enough of us. Or the porn. You know, people in there watching the porn. That's no good either. Yeah, it's really yeah, bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, so this guy's doing this, and then. He storms out of the sauna. I was like, well, good. God, God, that guy's gone. And he comes back in. And he does the same thing. Fuck, no, fuck that, man. No, 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 no. All this guy. And then he storms out, and we don't hear him at all. We don't. And then all of a sudden, me and these four or five guys in the sauna, we hear this, we hear this guy going, you know, because right when you exit the sauna, there's, there's showers. He's like, there's no fucking water. Where's the fucking water? There's no fucking hot water. He starts screaming, there's no fucking hot water. Over and over again. And this is going on for like 30 to 40 seconds. He's screaming this. There's the fucking hot water. And then somebody, I guess, in the shower next to him or whatever, just told him, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. He just said, shut the Good. fuck up. Good. So we were like, you know, kind of all applauding this guy. And then this guy quieted down and... I said, he must be a new member or something like that. I've never heard this. And this guy across the room from me said, no, I've seen him act this way before. You know, he's, uh, he's something wrong with this guy. Oh, he's got a, a screw he, loose. Yeah. So then he comes back into the sauna, and to, he forgot his towel. He goes out, and he, then he takes off. So... I've been in there about 30 minutes. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so <You were> done. <laughs> yeah, because I can only do like 20, 30 minutes, and then it's just too much. So then I go out to take a shower. So what I do, just for fun, I go and take a shower. I go, there's no toilet paper in here. Where's the toilet paper? There's no toilet paper. And they all got a good laugh from it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that guy, I don't know, light. a lot of stuff going on. You know? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Well, uh, one more thing uh, the Troubled Nation might have might have seen. There's a, a new uh, a documentary on the recording of the We Are the World single. Did you see that? That's, yeah, uh, I thought I talked about it, didn't I? Talk no, I don't think it? we did talk about oh, it. Oh, okay. But uh, it's there on Netflix, I think. It's uh, yeah. Bob Dylan looks like a confused baby. He, he looks he looks confused. Um, well, he's very much out of his element in many ways. But w- what I didn't realize about that that single is all the vocals they cut that all in one night, starting. Yeah, it's all like, done in like, like, like 12 it, hours. But, but starting at like 1 or midnight or something, uh, after they'd all been doing the American Music Awards, right, yeah. and, and uh, uh, like R- Lionel Richie had hosted the American Music Awards, and been everybody probably been working since 
you know, two o'clock that afternoon or something and make up and whatever, getting to the venue, getting to the, anyway, it's, it's crazy that they had all those people starting so late in the day when it was so uh, fatigued already and, and, uh, well, they're the, musicians, it's, you know, it's well, entertainment business, they're well, probably the, all coked up. They were real, real troopers though, I gotta say, so you saw that, so you watched Yeah, the, I saw it, I was, uh, you know, I, you know, I wasn't that impressed by, you know, what do they have to do, just sing the chorus, and then the, uh, they had, took a bunch of them, just about a handful of them had some lyrics, you know? Yeah, but you know, but when you're that tired, you're, you're, you're dealing with all those people, you know, people well, anytime, I've, I've never seen, I, anytime I've been in a music studio, I've never been there dur during the day. Any bands I've gone to see record, it's always been late at night. Well, yeah, but but they're recording at night when they've been uh, lazing about all day long and probably slept till three o'clock in the, they're in the afternoon. They're at a two-hour award show, sitting down. What's why, why is that so drinking, hard? Drinking, yeah, heavily. drinking. Anyway, you know, I know like, why uh, is that that hard? Uh, you know, I'm sure you know? Lionel Richie having to host the thing was uh, had some other duties besides just sitting there. But anyway, my my yes, you brought up Bob Dylan, my my favorite part of the the documentary was dylan is trying to figure out how to sing his little featured part right and he's singing along with the backing track and it's it's he's like i, I don't sing like that I, I don't know what what to do with this and he goes he gets stevie wonder stevie co come sit at the piano with me come come help me with this and stevie wonder uh being a great mimic imitates Bob Dylan singing the line. He's like, "Yeah, I think I think you might do it something like this, Bob." And and then Bob goes, "Oh yeah, that's that's really good," and starts imitating him. So so the way that they actually uh, the the thing is is recorded is uh, Bob Dylan imitating Stevie Wonder imitating him. Well, my favorite part is when they're all doing the chorus. You know that they record that first because they right. got them all together, mm -hmm. and they're all doing the chorus. And Stevie, who they asked to help write the song, and he ignored the phone calls. Right, he never got back to them. He him, never yeah. got back to them, to Lionel Richie and to, um, what's the, produ the producer's oh. name? Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones. And so they got Michael Jackson on board. And then the night of the recording, Stevie walks in like and tries to take control of stuff. Right. You know, it's just like, well, like, where were you? Where were you two it, weeks it's ago? It's done. No, the song yes, is done. So he tries to add this little African thing. <laughs> Some Swahili yeah, or something. during yeah, yeah, the yeah, chorus. Yeah. Right. And Waylon Jennings just looks and goes, fuck this, and walks out. Right. That was my favorite part. That's a great when Waylon, part. <laughs> Waylon Jennings, you could just see him like he's in the crowd, you know, in the bandstand. They're all there singing the chorus, and then when Stevie comes up with this, he just gets up and walks out. Yeah, well, it, it looks like a, a big, long discussion is about to ensue yeah. that, that uh, is going to be frustrating to be a part of. So, well, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm done. This. I'm out of here. <laughs> but, you know, one of the people they interviewed, one of the cameramen uh, I used to work with, uh, uh, John, was, was it Greg Wu? He was one of the huh. kind of the Amerasian-looking guy okay. who was one of the cameramen filming the, the video and all that kind uh -huh. of stuff. I used to work with his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was looking at him going, is that Wu? Is that Wu? And sure enough, it I was. saw the end credit. I go, that's him. He's a, he, he's a cameraman, and the production company I worked for at Sunset Gower, the receptionist was his wife. Oh, okay. Jill. And he got a gig doing, uh, which was a lot of fun for me because I got to know them, and he used to do uh, CBS uh, Sunday Basketball. Hmm. And uh, every once in a while, they'd be at the forum with the Lakers, and I begged them once. I said, "Listen, you got to get me into the game because the Lakers, you know, Showtime Lakers were happening, yeah. and all that kind of stuff." 
And I got to, for one day, for one game, I got to uh, be his like, uh, assistant, just hold the cables while he ran yeah, around okay. with right. the cameras during timeouts going up. And that was great. I was on the Laker floor and nice. all that and getting to know the cheerleaders and stuff like that. <laughs> but I, was, I kept through the whole documentary. Every time they came back to him, guy looks I'm familiar. Going, I know this fucking guy. I know him. You know? Okay. Well, cool. I like the way he said it. Then he goes, he goes, I didn't realize I wasn't getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this no. is... Uh, yeah, yeah, who, who do I send the invoice to? Yeah, oh, like, oh, no, no, no this, no, this no, is all no. for free. This is all for free. It's all, all, free, it's all, it's all benefit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah. Yeah, had to do it for free, you know. Now, apparently, they made tons of money. I don't know where the money went. Yeah, but, you know, uh, it's uh, to feed, feed starving. It was the 80s, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, so, but... Uh, and I don't know... I don't remember ever really liking that song. I mean, it's no, was, uh, it's you know very poppy uh, yeah. sort of you know middle of the road thing. It's just interesting that they have all those singers, and then really, uh, I was more. I, I always love the nuts and bolts uh, music business documentaries. You know, even I'll watch a behind the music on a band I don't even care about or I don't like at all, just because I, I like the. Uh, the, the ins and outs, the dynamics of people in the in yeah. music business. Well, yeah. So but anyway, check that out. I kept on saying, I remember everyone was always, when that video came out, everyone kept saying, why is Dan Aykroyd there? Yeah, oh, yeah, weird. that's I a good question. I still, I still was saying well, that. But people don't remember, he was in the Blues Brothers. It was a big, a big movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and they, toured, they toured the country, the right, Blues Brothers, but I mean, a couple times. He, he, was, he didn't even sing in the Blues Brothers. He well, just he stood on the stuff. side and played harmonica, you yeah, know? Yeah, he did some stuff, because I, I saw them. When they opened for Steve Martin at the Greek Theater, yeah, he did. It's mostly uh, Belushi sang all well, the songs. Well, Belushi sang most of it, uh, most of the lyrics, but he could sing. Yeah, you know, did Rawhide or something like that. I remember. Right, he did that, yeah. and uh, you know. Anyway, okay. I, you know, all right. So check that out. That's a fun watch. Well, uh, maybe we should get our guest in here. Sure. Huh, Excellent. Okay, uh, our guest here. I've known him for a long, long time. He's a, an award-winning architect, college professor, screenwriter. Uh, he's a co-creator of a documentary series, uh, Architectural School, named as uh, one of the top ten series by Time Magazine. He's a Opelousas native. A lot of things in common. We're going to get into all that. But without further ado, the great Mr. Stan Berto. Welcome, Stan. Thank you guys for having me here. Yeah, Thanks man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, you're a, a, a listener, a longtime listener. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, yep. you've, you've been in here. You're, you're a good friend, Todd. Uh, what's Todd's right. last name? Todd Erlinson, yeah. Todd Erlinson yeah. is, a, is a huge uh, fan of the show. He's, they've come and watched us do this uh, just sitting at the bar there. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's your California ambassador for he's sure. He's there? Okay. That's him? No, 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 no. no just, that's where uh, he would be sitting. He's the guy that comes up to you. At Tulane all the time and says, yeah. you oh, know. Todd. Todd. Yeah, Todd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Stan's good for Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what he tells me. Well, he's apparently, uh, he, he's working at Tulane this semester. He is. He teaches it. Yeah, he's yeah. teaching at Tulane. Uh, right, right. He's doing a little yeah. residency here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Stan. Well, uh, you, you're not from New Orleans. Uh, you're from, you grew up in Opelousas, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up all over the state, but... I was conceived in New Orleans. Okay. So, We're getting yeah, very specific. My, yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, no. Now, do you remember trying, that? I don't remember it, <laughs> okay. but I do know because of the timeline. Uh huh. I was born in Cuba because my dad was in the Navy. Really? Yeah, so that's actually. Guantanamo? Yeah, yeah. No shit. In fact, um, 
the first two years of my life were really exciting, and pretty much from then on, it's kind of gone downhill. Well, well, down well hill. the first two well, years were in Guantanamo? Yeah, yeah. So huh. I was born there, but my parents lived here. So um, it feels like I've got some sort of genetic connection to New Orleans that way. Sure. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, I was, I was in Guantanamo. I was born there. My dad was a photo photographer in the Navy there. Huh. Before Castro. Right before Castro. Okay. So it was still kind of... It was wide travel. open. Yeah, wide yeah, open. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of... The mob, it was all mobbed up. <laughs> it was, it was. You, you don't remember that either. I don't, I don't remember, either. remember that, but I tell you one thing. I do... One... I'm a pretty good dancer. Uh-huh. And if you do I say love, so yourself. I do, yeah. Okay. I mean, because I compare myself to my brothers who are not ter are pretty terrible dancers, but we lived off the base in a little second story apartment above what it's something like this and there was always cuban music playing and cuban food being cooked so my theory is have you ever heard of the idea of imprinting you know the idea of like you're kind of whatever you kind of grow up around sure sure so anyway i think that's that's got to explain it because uh you know it's yeah. I've, I've heard worse theories you know <laughs> let's talk about you know like babies uh are born they already recognize their father's voice because they're hearing it the whole time yeah, so it's kind yeah. of so kind i of think i'm deal. yeah I, I don't remember my mother used to explain she said yeah the place would be like on the weekends would be shaking yeah so it's the only thing i can attribute the one one of the few skills that I kind of have. Okay, right? nice, so, nice. Anyway, so but I did grow up around Louisiana. So you come back from from uh, Guantanamo, uh, and uh, do you do you actually grow up in Opelousas, or I mean, you have nah. that's like your ancestral home, yeah, sort of. Yeah, huh? yeah. My dad worked for the state. He was an engineer. Went to U of L, uh, USL at the time. Right. Worked as an engineer. So we moved around the state a bunch. So I moved. <clears throat> Northern Louisiana, Central Louisiana, okay. Opelousas. Alexandria is where I went to high school. Oh, okay. But I ended up going to college in Baton Rouge at LSU. Right. So. Now, now, but but you still have like a, a family home in Opelousas oh, yeah. even now. Well, we've had a few other guests from Opelousas. Uh, Nicole Pavi, her family's all from, oh, yeah. the Pavis are all from, oh, yeah. uh, from Opelousas. And I, I know you don't know Nicole uh, uh, personally, but you know of the Pavis. Her... One of her relatives, Octav Pavi, was our family lawyer. Okay. Or whatever we, not that we really needed a lawyer, but he was, he did, I knew him. He was an older guy. Okay. So. Yeah, there's a lot of Pavis around there. Now, <laughs> I, th I think uh, <laughs> former are. guest uh, Russ Broussard is actually from, from Opelousas, too. He's uh, a, a great drummer in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know Russ, but I know there's a ton of Broussards around. I yeah. mean, you know, there's Broussard, yeah. the town is right there, too. Right there, right? okay, right. So, Let me right. ask you something. What's that? What the fuck is this? It's water. Okay, so you've got your Bud Light and a little, looks like a little, what, what is this, a little thermos? It's a Not even water a bottle. Yeah, it's a little water bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's off, are you sure it's water? Now, why do you do this? You're just watering down well, your Bud Light? No. <laughs> In case I go through this too quickly and I need something to... You know, hydrate? Hydrate. Okay. okay. Right, right. Now, do you feel comfortable today drinking Bud Light with all the controversy? Yeah, you know, it didn't really... Yeah. Didn't affect you one way or the other. Me. You sure. know, it was kind of my drink before, and I stuck with it. How about you? Well, it's always been terrible, right? So, I mean... <laughs> it's, all, it's the best... Yeah, I, I for me, it was the best of the light beers, huh, right? Okay. So, okay. All right. Well, it's a low bar, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a pretty low bar, but yeah. 
Now, you were telling me something about about uh, the the people around Opelousas because I'm you know I kind of right. dig this minutia. Right. And you you were saying that in in uh, dealing with your family property, you had to go to a few uh, local meetings, city council meetings oh, yeah. or something. And you were saying that the the guys there are obsessed with uh, with movement of water, right? Drainage. Hi- hydrology. Drainage. <laughs> yeah. Cajun, old, old Cajuns are obsessed with cutting the grass and moving water off the property. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, people will come up to you and say, I think some of your, I think some of your water's getting on my property. Says, so well, that guy will say, well, then all of our water is going to his property, so it's got to go somewhere. But yeah, right. they're obsessed with it. You're chocolate There's in whole, my peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a drainage board thing. Yeah, we had drainage board meetings. I'm still in... Kind of like you with the city here and the, uh-huh. the, the property tax, and property tax, <laughs> and, and the school zone. You're kind of a scofflaw here, you know. I'm trying to figure that out with a drainage board there, trying to get them to to do some stuff on my property. Okay. Yeah. All but right. The meetings are great because they're actually. We went. My girlfriend and I went to the meeting. They asked us to show up and present our case, and it was in the neighborhood next to us. It's somebody's house, like at the dinner table uh-huh. with little dogs running around it was the weirdest like thing it's a social event it, is. it was a little bit i guess you're trying to bring it to the people sure but it was a little bit weird to kind of pull up to somebody's house and there's like eight or nine guys and one woman feeding people anyway it was weird yeah, it's like back when you had uh, continuing catholic uh, service you know you get the teenagers together you, yeah right, you know, right in somebody's right. house that's right so <laughs> you had to present your case in front of these people in their house yeah but it was pretty low it was pretty low key i mean they already knew that they had screwed up my property because they didn't do the drainage right so i think they were trying to make nice so they wanted us to be there so they could tell us that they were going to fix it, but, you know, they still haven't fixed it. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so it's not moving any faster in Opelousas no. than in, in New can, Orleans. You know, how can you stop water from going to one to one to one? I think gravity, right? It always runs downhill. It's gravity, but they're responsible. It's a weird thing. The streams and the bayous, they're responsible for the water, like, 20 feet beyond the edges of that. And so they have to... Make sure the make sure the um, the culverts work for that. So, okay. Anyway. All right. Well, so uh, so growing up all around the state, you go to LSU. You uh, did you uh, have in your mind years before that you wanted to pursue architecture, and and how did you get that idea? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, when I was in high school, <clears throat> I was um, I could draft well. You know, I, I don't know. Did they have drafting classes when you guys were in school? No. Yeah, they did. In, in my middle, my junior high, they yeah. had drafting. I yeah. don't remember it so much in high school. Yeah, this might have been high, might have been a ninth grade class or something. Because in my junior highs, they offered a lot of shop classes. But in shop. My, yeah. yeah, but in my high school, we didn't have many. I mean, they had like auto mechanics and maybe printing in high school. Well, were you, were you in that school within a school at uni or no? Uh, I was for a year, but that was just basically for people who didn't want to go to school. <laughs> okay, right. it, was, it was basically you just sat there and smoked pot. Flunky school, yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. but, they, but you know, I went to a West Side high school, so they offered that kind of stuff. Okay, you know, whether you didn't get that in East LA or South Bay, you didn't get that kind of shit. Yeah, but no, I remember like I in, in junior high, I did print shop, I did wood shop, metal shop, 
all those shops. And also, I remember when I was going to to junior high. That's when like the whole women's lib movement was really powerful, and so boys had to take. So they had to like integrate. So boys took sewing class one semester, while the girls took Uh, wood shop. Okay, you know, and then I took a cooking class, and the girls took a print class. You know, good. And uh, so yeah, I I I did a sewing class too, and I made this backpack, and I got a C (laughs) minus. So anyway, (laughs) okay. And then in cooking class, they put everyone into groups, and you have to. Oh, today you're cooking. You know, you're going to cook pizzas, or today you're going to cook cookies and stuff. And it was the final. And we, uh, my group of guys, it was five of us, we had to cook cookies. And we got a f-, f because we fucked up. We put salt instead of sugar mm, <laughs> in the yeah, cookies. That's, so that's no good. That's no good. So were they co-ed classes, though? Or did they have just No, got, it was just... It was, and they still kept the, the kept male... The, yeah, yeah. They kept the, kept the girls... Segregated, yeah, yeah. But even though it was all about the guys, well, you guys got... It's it. kind of separate but equal. Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. Okay. So, anyway. Yeah. Brown versus uh, Board of Education. Right. Um, so anyway, I was in a... Dra- now that Manny, you've explained it, it was a drafting and a shop class that was half the year was drafting, half the year was shop. Anyway, long story short... I was good at that, and so I went to architecture school. So, completely not relevant to what architecture is about, but it was like what people said I should do. So I went to LSU architecture school. So okay, so just so you didn't really have a desire to uh, design and build buildings. You I didn't just know thought what maybe it you was. had a propensity. Yeah, somebody told you know <laughs> you it didn't is. Didn't know it's what like, it was. <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew. I mean, somebody told me you can draw pretty well. You're pretty good with a straight line here, and they do buildings. So I went, and it actually ended up being. It took me about two years. I dropped out once. And went to engineering, and then I got over there with those guys, and they all had slide rules and sit. And I thought, thought, oh, this is definitely not for me. This is not a step up. Please let me back into architecture. (laughs) I mean, because I, I I couldn't originally, I couldn't deal with the subjectivity of architecture. That it was kind of like, we don't think that looks nice, or what you know, it was much more subjective. It's much more art like. Mm -hmm. But in engineering, it was like way too like numbers oriented. Anyway, once I got over that. You know the subjectivity of architecture school. I ended up loving it. So okay, yeah. So so you graduate from Tulane. You go straight. I mean, I mean from uh, LSU. LSU. You go straight to uh, what did you go to? Uh, North Carolina North State. North Carolina State. Yeah, because I I felt like I was just getting the hang of it. it went architecture is five years, so it felt like I was just getting the hang of doing architecture. And I thought, well, fuck it. I'm going to just go. I'm going to keep going to school now. So I applied to a couple of schools and got in North Carolina State and uh, went there for a year and a half and graduated and, and then moved and started working in Houston. Okay. And uh, so you're working as an architect, designing buildings there, designing buildings? Yeah, I was working in a big firm, and, you know, it was corporate architecture. They hired a lot of people, and I got a call after I was there for about three years. A lot of other shit's going on, you know, girlfriends, stuff like that, you know. But but Houston was cool, but I got a call from one of my ex-second-year professors and said he was teaching at Mississippi State in Starkville, and he called me up one like June. He said, look, somebody just left. We need a teacher for the fall. Can you fly over here and interview? So I, I jumped on a plane, flew to Memphis, drove down to Starkville. Have you ever been to Starkville? Not that I recall. You've been to Starkville? 
Uh, yeah, I had a beekeeping service there for, for a while. Yeah, wow. bees. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's a pretty, it's a pretty descriptive name, Starkville. It's yeah. not, not a lot going on. <laughs> okay. But anyway, it was a good way to get my foot in the door, so I took a job there, and taught for one year at Mississippi State. So that kind of got me in the professor door. Now, did you like that teaching? I mean, you, did you ever have a desire to teach or an idea that you would teach at some point? Yeah, you know, when I got into architecture school, I, you know, the teachers were pretty young that were teaching me at LSU. They were probably 28. I was 20 or 21. And so you'd kind of hang out, mm-hmm. you know, with your faculty. And I thought, this is a pretty good gig. So um, I thought it would be cool to do. I was not, I always kind of thought that I would just, be an architect and work and get my own firm and stuff, which never really happened. But once I got that call and had that opportunity and tried it for a year, it was like, this is fucking good. I mean, it's a, I mean, I wasn't getting paid a lot, but I was getting paid enough and I had, you know, the hours were great and I had a little bit of an aptitude for it. It's weird. They don't teach you and it's weird. You don't get taught how to teach in sure, college. Right, you just right. get like thrown in well, like yeah, you're assigned as a class and you have to yeah use these you know and i didn't whatever, i'd never yeah. yeah i'd never taught before but i'd seen other people teach yeah you've tell, been taught yeah yeah, yeah i tell people the first three years that i was teaching every night i would come home my face would hurt because i i think i was trying to look like i knew what i was doing you're making a serious <laughs> I was face like trying to like <laughs> look like i knew what when i was completely over my head <laughs> you know because i wasn't even that much older than the students right, and i was like right. 27 and the students were 22 and 23 so yeah but it was great anyway i moved, moved to new orleans after that because my girlfriend at the time didn't like starkville at all so she made it through one year she moved down here got a job in the quarter at a firm she was an architect also and so i moved down here and eventually got to teaching to two at tulane okay yeah. now d- when you when you came to new orleans did you uh work as an architect uh in, i did in new orleans were you here for the world's fair you were here i was sure. here yeah yeah, yeah yeah you probably weren't here yet yeah i i came here right then which is actually it was a great time to be in New Orleans as an architect. Well, they had a lot of money coming in. They were revitalizing the whole warehouse ton district. A of money. I worked for the big firm, Perez Associates, that did a lot of the work. There were a ton of young architects. There was too much work for the, the old dudes to do. So I got, I mean, I did a couple of big buildings <clears throat> just outside the fair. We were almost on the fairgrounds. Um, we'd go there. We had everybody in the firm got a pass to go on, you know, to the fair okay. just to kind of go be. hang out at the Italian. They still village. have World's Fairs. They do. They do. Yeah, I don't know where they are, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a little. Yeah, this one was a little bit of a weird one too. I don't know if they're all sponsored by the same people or not. Yeah, I think it's pretty ad hoc. Now I remember like the several years before the World's Fair, which the World's Fair was here in 84. Right. And as a musician, I remember people like in 81 going, oh man, if you just hang out till the World's Fair gets here, we're all going to make a mint. You know, right. oh, it's going to be so much money. And then, you know, it rolled around and finally had, and it's like, well, a couple of guys had steady gigs there. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the, 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 the big cash cow that everybody anticipated it would it would be, but it did succeed in developing a lot of that land that's now like Convention Center Boulevard and all that. And didn't you do the uh, the Sugar House? I did. Ho- I did. Was that a hotel? or? A- yeah, it's a hotel on Julia Street. It's called something else, and it's like an embassy, embassy suites. 
It's a pretty cool building, actually. I did it with a couple of other guys. I was the lead designer on it. And I was like, what, 28, 27 when I did that. So that was cool. It's kind There's, of a postmodern. Yeah, yeah. It kind of steps up. It looks like the warehouse district. You know, it's got those shed roofs that go up. Right, and right, right. Do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I cool still building. like that building. I yeah, still man. like that building. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like, like the, the Chicago World's Fair or the San Diego World's Fair actually left a huge mark on those cities because there were big, like long streets with huge buildings on them. Uh-huh. But there's not really much from the actual World's Fair left. There's the, I guess, Piazza d'Italia was part of that. Oh, that no, that, that, was, that, that was before, before the, the oh, World's that Fair. Was? Yeah, that, okay. was, that was well before the World's okay. Fair. So really, the stuff that was with the actual World's Fair is it's all, all gone. gone right? remember, the, remember the gondola? Sure, yeah, yeah. I rode that across the Mississippi River. Yeah, yeah, Freaky. yeah. Freaky, yeah. yeah. And they had the space shuttle there. Did I they? I remember. It was part of the... Because exa- I was on a road trip with a friend of mine, and we drove through New Orleans while the World's Fair was going on. We had no idea what was going on. Really? Yeah, and we stopped to check it out, and we had... We, you know, they were asking, you know, I don't know, 20 bucks for a ticker. So we snuck in. Right. We snuck in behind the space shuttle. (laughs) There was a space shuttle exhibit, the first one. It seems like I remember that. You actually didn't go in the space shuttle. No, 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 no. (laughs) They just, you got to look at it from the outside. Right, right. And it wasn't that big. Now that I'm looking back, I was yeah, like, yeah. this is the space shuttle? Yeah, not not as big big. as it looks on TV. Yeah, Yeah, right. It wasn't that big. Well, uh, you know, looking at the uh, at the clock, Manny, I think it uh, might be time to take a little break. Oh, yeah, we've got to take a break because i got to take a leak. Sure. And we'll be right back. Get a beer. You need another beer. Yes. We'll be right back, Nation. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be brave. It's me in the vanguard of the Light Horse Brigade. It's me of the Light Horse I said goodbye to Molly and goodbye to Marianne There was something about the light that night There was something about the light I said goodbye to Molly and goodbye to Marianne Something about the light that night There was something about the light But I couldn't see nothing I saw everything in sight There wasn't a sound but a profundity of light And the priests, they were crying And the children, they were stunned And we hid that in the cloakroom Until the damage was done Could I prevent anything? You mean it's not made of cheese? I'm not allergic to dying Unless of I sneeze. Bang, bang, she shot me down. Bang, bang, I hit the ground. Bang, bang, my baby shot me down. And we're back. Mm. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yes. I am Renee Coleman. You are. Back with our guest, Mr. Stan Berto. I'm here. Now, Stan, I, I know you're familiar with the uh, the current model, operating model of the Troubled Men podcast, which is a, uh, a listener-supported model. And uh, we do have the, the Venmo and PayPal links there in the show notes of every show and, and the, uh, the Facebook page 
posts that we do. We want to give a shout out to uh, Daniel Gouvramon, which we uh, not sure if that's how it's spelled. But, I mean, that's how it's pronounced. A great French name. Uh, but we want to thank Daniel for uh, supporting the podcast this week. And as always, our 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 uh, Patreon page uh, uh, subscribers the our patrons are, are uh, supporting us week in and week out and we much much love to, to you guys thank you so much for your your uh, undying support follow us on social media Facebook and Instagram uh, rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it give us five stars uh, let's see we have the Troubleman podcast t-shirt links right there you can get them in men and women's uh, styles and sizes a variety of colors uh, let's see I have a some dates coming up on the road. I'll, I'll be in uh, New York with uh, Loose Cattle on uh, March 15th. I'll be in uh, Albany at the Linda and uh, on uh, March 16th at Joe's Pub in New York City with Loose Cattle, the great Michael Service and Kimberly Kay. And uh, then uh, keep your eye out for the Iguanas with Sonny Landreth trio going out and uh, starting March 27th in Pittsburgh and playing for a few weeks and you can uh, find all those dates on uh, iguanas.com so we have that that tour and we're coming back for uh, French Quarter Fest and Jazz Fest and same Iguanas Sunny Landra tours going out uh, in May uh, back into the Northeast for all those dates so check all that stuff out and uh, I think that's a, uh, about enough of that. Those are so, some cool shows. Oh yeah, yeah, no, those will, those would be great dates. Uh, a bunch of them are already sold out. The the ones from the 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 Midwestern uh, leg, several of them are already sold out. Have low ticket warnings and. Uh, Yes, yeah, so everybody. Do y'all play? Are you the band behind Sonny? Or? Um, Sonny is bringing his own trio. Yeah. Uh, the Iguanas are bringing, of course, our Iguana band. And uh, I think Sonny will probably wind up sitting in with the Iguanas some. Um, uh, cool. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. Now, I, who is headlining? You or that? Him? Um, I guess Sonny is closing these shows, but they're they're co-bills, uh, if you will. But uh, you know, Sonny's been out there. He's an elder statesman, so uh, you know, we're we're. That's we're, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so back to our guest, Mr. Stan Berto. Now, so Stan, you're you're a working architect, and 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 uh, you know you're teaching, and but you 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 shift gears. I, I read a quote where you said uh, that that uh, where where is it now? Uh, I said I applied to film school because I wanted to get away from architecture and my ex-wife. So. Yes. Did I say that? that? Well, yeah, it's yeah. Pr- it's printed in an article. Which, which one? Oh, okay, that was the first. I'm not one. sure. That which ex-wife? Yeah, which ex-wife? But is that at 87 you decide to go into film school now? Now, now I know several people who we had a, a, an early guest, uh, uh, Chris Poche, who's also an architect who became a screenwriter and has done really? worked on a whole bunch of movies like punching up these different Disney movies and cool. and uh, so. There seems to be something about architects where they 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 like the idea of architecture. They just don't want to practice it. <laughs> it's, it's a ba- yeah. I don't want to. It's a tough way to make a living. Really it's tough. Yeah, it's uh, you don't make you you know unless you do like some of my buddies do, where you design build your own stuff, and then you can kind of make money. It's a tough living, you know. So yeah. Okay. So, so you decide to go to film school. Now, I mean, where did that come from? That came from living here and going to see a movie 
at a theater in Metairie that played art films, seeing this movie Blood Simple. Did you oh, ever yeah. see that? Yeah, the sure. first, the mm-hmm. first Coen, Coen Brothers, Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to see that movie, and my wife at the time, we were still together, had read an article and was telling me about these. You know, she, you know, basically two brothers from Michigan, who made this movie. I think they went down to Texas and shot it. It was set in Texas for sure. It fucking, it just blew me away, right? I mean, the movie. It's literally. I must have been about thirty. It's the first time I realized that like normal people could make a movie i just thought hollywood was like like a whole like untouchable i I never even thought about like i didn't know there was such a thing as a film school until i saw those guys do that i love the movie it's it's still one of my favorite movies it holds up. I watched it last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, And it wasn't like I immediately thought I'm going to go to film school, but cut to like three or four late years later when I did fall out with my wife, who's a wonderful person. It wasn't her fault. It's just young, young love, right? But I'd gotten divorced, and um, I guess I was about 31 or 32, and I just felt like I needed a, a little bit of a break. I was actually doing pretty well in New Orleans. I was doing well at the firm. They wanted to promote me, but I felt like I just need to get out of town. And I kind of had this thought, you know, I should go, I should go someplace I've never been before. I always had this, even when I was a kid, I loved Southern California. I loved the Dodgers. I loved the the Beach Boys were my band before the Beatles. Oh, I liked wow. the Jan and Dean were like my band, right? Oh, okay. I loved the Southern California vibe. So um I thought, well, you know what? I like, I'd been to grad school. I taught a li- I was already teaching at Tulane by the time. I loved the whole academic life. So I, I ended up applying to a couple of film schools. So I applied to film school. I applied to UT in Texas, UCLA, and USC. I got accepted to UT in Texas and USC. I didn't get accepted to UCLA. And somebody said, oh, yeah, USC's the best school. You got to go there. So I thought, well, yeah, I'll mm. go there. Maybe. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a good school. Well, UCLA's film program is No, they're super good, too. But somebody told me that. So, I, But I didn't get, to, did, didn't get into UCLA. So I could, did didn't, I. Yeah, I didn't get that option. I was on a waiting list. Yeah, so, so I accepted USC. And I'm like an idiot, Manny. I thought USC... No. No, I thought USC was like a state school. It nah, sounds like uh-uh. it is, right? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's not, it does sound like it's it. Like a, it's like a super... I mean, it wasn't back then. It's not as expensive as it was now. But at that point, I'd already told everybody I'm leaving. I'd accepted. <laughs> so I couldn't like... It's a private school, yeah. It's a private school, and it yeah. was pretty expensive. I, you know, I ended up getting scholarships and some stuff, so it wasn't horrible. It's a private school in one of the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Yeah, back then, for sure. It's gotten better, but yeah, it was definitely tough. Because the Hoover Crips owned that area. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up at USC Film School in graduate school, Um and it was it was really a life. I mean, here's the funny thing. I told people I was doing this just to get out of New Orleans for a year. Mm-hmm. I told friends, I told bosses, I said, look, I'm just going to California. I need to get out, clear my mind. I'm going to be back. And everybody looked at me like, sure. Like they were they like, didn't believe you. they didn't believe nobody <laughs> believed. And I didn't even really realize that at the time. But I just thought that everybody's reaction was kind of weird. Like, it's almost like, 
do they like me? Do they not believe me? Do they want me to stay out there? Uh-huh. But it happened. I got out there and like, I totally got into it. I yeah. mean, I just got, you know, as Pacino does in The Godfather. You know, so I, could, I got out there after a year, just completely sucked me in. I stayed at grad school. I met a bunch of people. I was there probably the same time you were there. I was living the well, poor life. Well, the 80s, though, were also a good time for indie films. Yeah. It and was I was here in the late, yeah, yeah late 80s. Yeah, it was a good time because I was trying to get in in the early 80s. <clears throat> and I, I think I've told this before, but I'll tell you. I, I, I went to a pretty nice West Side high school, public high school, but a lot of my friends' parents were in the entertainment business. Right. So I got in that way. Right. Just by like, you know, during a Christmas break in 1982, a buddy of mine said, and this is when cable TV is also exploding. Right. So I got in that way, you know, as in the mailroom kind of thing and just worked my way. Oh, yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. But then by the early 90s, I'd had it. I did it for like 10 years straight, moved up, made tons of money, did some good stuff, worked on some shit stuff. You know, but it paid the rent, and uh, you know, and I, I developed you know coffee and cocaine addiction all through the eighties, <laughs> sure. and that kind of stuff. Two packs of cigarettes a day, working six days a week for three months straight, that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, so by the time I was thirty, I was practically dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there were good times. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> good so, times. so you were there during during all this, and and you 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 love the uh, the the environment there. I did. I mean, I got, <clears throat> I fell in with a bunch of people from all over the country because USC was one of the good schools. So we had a lot of people from New York and across the country there, and we just found cheap places to go. We'd, we'd end up at the Palomino mm-hmm. or some of the clubs. I mean, the first place, I remember the first night I got into town, we stayed with my girlfriend at the time, sister, who lived in West Hollywood, just below the strip where all the metal clubs were. Sure. You know, Gazzaris and I Gazzaris yeah, and, and then you had well, you had the, well the strip has Gazzaris, Whiskey a Gogo, the Roxy, right. yeah, and then I think before the Viper Room it was called, God damn, what was it called before the Viper Room? I can't remember, but that was a place for a lot of bands. The Doors started there too. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, it was amazing. I walked up there and just walked down the strip, and I'm like a kind of a country boy from Louisiana. Uh-huh, sure, yeah. I mean, I felt like it was kind of urban because I'd lived in New Orleans and but I got there it's like, man, this is another planet, but I loved it. It was really it okay. was fantastic. So, yeah, I dug it there. I mean, there was one blip. It was 87. I moved there in August. And I don't know if you were there, Manny, when they had that Whittier earthquake in like no, August. I've been through many earthquakes, yes. Fuck scared the shit was I was two weeks two weeks into being in LA and there was a big earthquake I'm laying in bed with my girlfriend and we sleep naked and you know about six in the morning it's daylight the building starts to shake I had I had it's the least ambiguous thing ever it's like you know I had never been in an earthquake and we just woke up, and it's like we just screamed earthquake, and we ran to the front door, stood because the only thing we knew is people said stand in a doorway. Yeah, stand so in the frame. Yeah, yeah, so we stood in a doorway, and, and we should have. Naked too. Yeah, right? yeah, we should have gone in the street, but I guess that's what kept us from going into <laughs> the street. But I just remember sitting there, 
and I could see the street lamps like doing waving bit, back, and waving forth. back and forth, like a rubber pencil when you do that pencil yeah, trick. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. that thing, right? And I mean, I had grown up in Louisiana, country. You know, I'm used to snakes and wasp and pest and hurricanes and even bad weather and tornadoes and stuff. But there's there, you kind of there's an expectation and there's kind of you're ready for that. This earthquake thing was like, yeah, what the fuck comes out of nowhere? <laughs> like, and it was a golden, beautiful California day. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. I swear, if I hadn't have already paid my tuition to USC, I'm like, I'm out of here. Pack the car. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, this is like if the Earth moves under me, I'm leaving. But anyway, I stuck it out. And, right. the, and it's weird. I went to class that day. They didn't even call off class. Yeah. It's all I mean, over. It's all yeah. over. Nothing to see here. It's like, yeah, you go in and everybody <laughs> well, else is sitting I mean, around. I, don't, I think the Whittier, there wasn't that much damage in your area, at least. No. In, in, in West Hollywood and downtown. I lived in more, Silver Lake. Yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah. it was more in Whittier. You're right, right. So they're going to close <clears throat> things down in Whittier. Right. They're it was just a, just a shock for you, though. Yeah. 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 It was a shock. It was big enough for me that it knocked shit off the walls, mm -hmm. and everything was shaking. And there's like, there was nowhere you could go, right? Like in a hurt. shaking everywhere. Where yeah, do you go? Know. It's like where do I go? <laughs> and then I realized, well, at least I think the the main danger, of course, in an earthquake is something's going to fall on you. Sure, it's right, unlikely yeah. you're going to fall in the into a crack. crevice. Right, right. right, that doesn't happen. But right. well, if you're in the street. That could happen. Open up. That's true. And, and that's yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. That's happened. Yeah. But I've been through millions of, I mean, lots of earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. Lots and lots of earthquakes. Well, you were there for the, I was there in, what was the big one that was in like North Northridge? Ridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I was in Santa Monica. That one fucking knocked yeah. a build. I don't know what it, what it was about Santa Monica, but buildings fell over yeah. in yeah, Santa Monica. Yeah, that was a bad one. That, was that bad one. one. I was in... It was I a was long one, too. West, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like, was in Westwood at that time. Oh, you were? In the village area of Westwood. We're living with a girl, and the bookshelf fell like two feet away from our head. Shit. <laughs> You know, oh, but man. the very first one I ever was the February 9th one in 72. Oh, yeah. Where I, mean, I was the top of the bunk bed oh, and man. I flew off the bunk bed. I just bounced and bounced and bounced and all of a sudden. Oh, and I'm like, you know, seven years old, eight so years old. So you probably, did you, were you scared or did it? Yeah, like, I was scared. You know, we all got in my mom and dad's bed and right. we just sit there and listen to the radio, you know. We yeah. just had a. See if the world is ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are we going to continue? You know. and well, my, and my, just to finish yeah, this, my yeah, yeah. mom, being the way she was, she was trying to get my dad to fix it somehow. <laughs> to fix the earthquake? Do something. Yeah. Do something about this. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? I can't do anything about this. You know, my dad was a two-pack-a-day smoker. Right, right. You know, he just was like, what do you want from me? You know, right. I can't so do Where are my cigarettes? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, so Stan, so so you go through film school, and and uh, so your 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 graduation thesis uh, screenplay winds up getting made into a into a motion picture, correct? It did. <clears throat> and and so you have this is uh, uh, starring uh, Dwight Yoakam. You're right, right. Uh, well, tell us about that because we dig Dwight. He's an American hero. Chicks dig him. Dwight, Guitars, Cadillacs, Hillbilly Music, right? What, yeah. what was his, I think that was his first album. Yeah, I wrote the script for my thesis about a rodeo, <clears throat> back to the clown car thing, about a rodeo clown. 
that was kind of Cohen Brothers-esque. I mean, that was my vibe. I liked their, it was kind of a Texas, I always got, you know, kind of nicked by my teachers because they felt like my ideas were kind of small and, you know, local. But, but anyway, I wrote this script about a rodeo cowboy that gets in trouble. He, he falls in with a girl that thinks she's a vampire, but she's not. Anyway, it's weird, kind of dark, Cohen Brothers-esque. And I'm out of school a couple of years working, trying to get writing gigs, and somebody calls me, and we, got, we found your script. It was called, I think at the time it was called Rodeo Men. At one time it was called Tilt-A-World, which is a take on that ride in a carnival, Tilt-A-World, right? Yeah. Anyway, these guys wanted to make it. It was a low-budget company, you know. Um, I was happy about it. We went and met. Um, you know, the whole pre-production thing started, and we started casting it, and um, somehow Dwight had just decided he wanted to act in movies. It now, was his first movie. So this is before he was in Sling Blade. It was right before that. Okay. Because... My movie was terrible. <laughs> we could get to that, okay. why that happened. But, it, I mean, it, it was, I guess it was not horrible. It's, it's but hard it's, to make a good movie, though, isn't it? I mean, isn't there like a, hard, a million my, ways that a movie can go wrong? My standards on judging movies is so, I'm like for, so forgiving. Yeah. Like, I'd say, I could. Well, I'd, yeah, because everything has somebody, to be right from every department. Yeah, every collaboration. Thing. I mean, it really is. It's, it's like it's one person can fuck it up. And, if the if you have a weak director, then it's all downhill from there. You know, you might as well put Alan Smithy on, on it. You know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in. We shot this in Denton, Texas. Jumping ahead in Denton, Texas, and the director was. It was his first movie. Dwight was on it. Dwight was already a star in his thing. So he in had music in music. In music. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. So um, I'm the writer. So I'm like the least. Um, anyway, everybody kind of gets along with the writer because the writer doesn't have much to do on the set, right? I did a little bit of stuff. But anyway, the director and Dwight start clashing, right? And so the director pulls me in and says, you need to go talk to Dwight. You know, he's not... And Dwight would call me in and says, that guy's a charlatan. I'm, le you know, it's like, it's like I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this movie... I mean, Stan, the movie you wrote, this is not the movie we're doing. Um, but anyway, they ended up fighting it out, I guess doing it. Um, it didn't come out very well, but... Um, What's like the, what was the final name? Painted Hero. Oh, okay. Terrible name. And was there any other people in it? Yeah, it actually had John Getz, who was in the Coen Brothers movie. Okay. I mean, he was one of the main guys in that. Um, the woman who was... And I forget her forgot her name now. She was a mom in Ferris Bueller. I mean, it was like kind of medium level people John Getz was great um, I'm trying to think of I think that's May oh you know who was in it I can't believe Walt Goggins you know, oh, you know Walt Goggins? oh yeah yeah that guy's it was hilarious. Walt Goggins <laughs> first movie do you know who Walt Goggins <laughs> no, is he's that guy so so did you see uh, Assistant Principals with uh, it's a series or, or or the righteous gemstones? No. no, okay. He's a character actor. He's very funny. He's very broad. Uh, uh, yeah, skinny guy. He's um, in a lot of stuff. He's, yeah, he yeah, was. You'd recognize him immediately. Yeah, he was so. also in that Justified. He was the bad guy in one uh, okay. one year or two of that. I, I anyway, he's super that. good. It was his first movie. Really good guy from Atlanta. So it was an overall good experience. And there was one transcendent moment. The first 
night we shot the movie, and they had to rent a rodeo stadium, uh-huh. right, in Denton, Texas. So they basically rented a stadium, and they got PBR, which is Professional Bull Riders Association, to come in and, and do a rodeo, right? So they just had a regular rodeo, uh-huh. and they filmed it. But they, you know, they'd stop it and get Dwight out and get him to do something. Then they cut to the stunt doubles in the same gear and stuff. But I remember thinking, sitting there, thinking... This is all because I wrote that thing (laughs) about this guy. And the guy's name was, oh, man, I can't even think of His last name was Kidder. I can't remember his first. I can't believe I've forgotten my character's name. But like Justin Kidder, Mm -hmm. you know, the rodeo clown. And I just thought, like, I I was, like, so psyched that this was happening. Sense of power. Sense of power. Sense of, like, that I created this, Uh like, little guy in a class Based on my, because I had buddies that were in rodeo when I was in high school. I was never a rodeo guy, but I knew I grew up in small towns, so I had a bunch of buddies that did it. I used to go to rodeos. I used to always think the clown, you know, the clowns, they call them bullfighters now, were amazing things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wrote this thing. It was incredible. But I mean, after that, it, you know, kind of shit hit the fan. Well, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize this because I I heard, heard this a while back. Dwight Yoakam. Was famous more for singing and all that, but he he went to school to be an actor. He went to college. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wanted to be an actor, and his friend he he knew Billy Bob Thornton, who was actually a musician, a touring musician with bands that played before big acts, and they knew each other. And Dwight ended up being the big musician superstar. That's funny. And Billy, who was a musician... Wanted being the actor. <laughs> being the big actor. That's funny. You know? It's, it's kind of weird how that works out. Oh, yeah. Well, now let's move forward. So from uh, knowing Dwight, having him, you and Dwight then go on to co-write a movie, correct? Yeah. that's what That was the cool thing that worked out from that movie. That first movie was low budget, didn't really work out. But the cool thing is, Dwight and I had a good relationship. So he called me, you know, I mean, we were in touch. He said, hey, I got this other idea about a script. Uh, you want to write it? So I said, of course, I'll write it. I mean, he was paying me. It wasn't paying me much. But, you know, it was, it was fun. He lived in the Hollywood Hills. And I would go up. Uh, there's, there's so many great stories of me going up to Dwight's house. Now, now, when you go to his house, is it always cowboy hat on or cowboy hat off? Not on. It was cowboy hat off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Because in the movie, even in our movie, he had scenes with cowboy hat on. Okay. Dwight's. Yeah, because you're right. Because in his music, yeah, it's, it's always always on. tight jeans, pointed boots, cowboy hat on. Right. You know, slim fit, whatever. Right, right. But in his movie, he's he's able to kind of do it differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. So I'd go to his house. I remember the first time. I went to his house to write. You know, he'd already given me the treatment that I was writing from, and we were going to kind of write it together, which basically meant we were going to talk, and I was going to go off and type it up Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I went there, and he said, Oh, Stan, come on in. you got to hear this. I've been working on this song. And you have to understand, Dwight was my... I was like a huge Dwight fan. When he came on the movie, I'm like, Holy shit, this is like a dream come true. Like I'm meeting my hero. (laughs) The first time, the first time, I forgot about this. He took the first, one of the first days there, he took me downstairs and we sat in his El Camino and listened to eight tracks of music to give me the vibe he wanted to get. Anyway, so I was like totally, I was like a fanboy trying to act cool. 
But the first time I went to his house, he pulled me in. I'm standing in his living room. He's dressed in jeans and boots, whatever. He pulls out his guitar. He played a big old Gibson. And he starts singing this close, like three feet from me, this song. And I'm standing there, like, trying not to faint. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like it would have been like if John Lennon would have walked up. Not quite like that, but, but just singing me this song. So anyway, it was like that. So it was cool to work. Yeah, so, so you write this movie together, and Billy, Billy Bob winds up acting in the, in the uh, Yeah, we had a great cast. I mean, this cast, unbelievable. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, Vince Vaughn, Billy Bob Thornton, Bridget Fonda, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens. Oh, really? Paul uh, Rubens was in it. <laughs> Paul Rubens was in it, and it's a Western. It's like a kind of, it's a dark, dark what Western. What year is this now? It's like, had to be like the early 90s. Called, it was called South of Heaven, West of Hell. Again, here's the, the short story of what happened there. I wrote a script that was about an hour and a half long, about 120 pages long. They sent it out to the studios. You know this, Manny. And the readers would read it. And it got good coverage. People liked it. it looked like it was going to get made. And then Dwight took it and decided he wanted to make it more epic. It was right after kind of Field of Dreams. And so okay. it ended up bloating up to like, went from my 120 pages, and I'm not blaming Dwight on this, but this was just... How it went. How it went. Right. It went from 120 pages, which is a two-hour movie, to a 220-page script. Oh, God. Which is like, back then, nobody's going to give, and Dwight was going to direct this. No studio is going to let a first-time director direct a three and a half yeah. hour movie yeah. right so then they said okay you got to cut it back down so then we cut it back down but Dwight had already added in like all these other characters so mine was a much more linear kind of Clint Eastwood like you know real simple story basically revenge story with Dwight as a as a marshal on the border right but you know by the time you got to 100 220 pages you cut it back down it just didn't work anymore. So you, if you see the movie, South of Heaven, West of Hell, I think it's, it's somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's not the lowest movie rated on IMDb, but it's getting down. It's not one of the top. <laughs> no, it's not one of the top. Geely is lower than that. You know, there's some movies that are oh, lower oh, than oh, that. Oh, that uh, Ben Affleck that's movie? That's <laughs> apparently the lowest <laughs> oh, rated. Really? <laughs> I don't think we're like quite down there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Geely, that's what right, it is. Right. Geely, yeah. Well, so Paul Rubens, uh, was it fun hanging around with him? I mean, all these, all we, these guys? You uh, know, what was cool is we did, we did a big table read where everybody showed up and read, you know, the very first sure. time they all, all get right. together in a room and they read their parts. And I think I was reading like the exposition or something as, the, as one of the writers. So I think everybody was there that day. Maybe, I'm pretty sure everybody was there. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you know, I didn't get to hang out with Paul Rubens very much, but I, you know, Vince Vaughn seemed like a great guy. And I mainly was with Dwight. And, you know, I wasn't on the set as much on that one, but, right. but it was cool. Very cool. Very cool. So, so then uh, s somehow you wind up back here at uh, at Tulane, or uh, or, or uh, what, how how do you wind up back in New Orleans? Because because then you do uh, your uh, post Katrina, you're at, at Tulane teaching. You have this architecture school program. This is uh, I'm imagining a whole bunch of uh, 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 do-gooders from other places are going to come save New Orleans from ourselves. And, uh, right, right. 
So, and talk about that because I have some questions, some follow-up questions. Maybe I'll throw them out right now. And, and my, my question would be, all those do-gooders who came down here, uh, are they still here? They, they are all, not here, I don't see, think. See, because they were only slumming all along. That's, that was my contention. <laughs> they are not here. The ones we did the show on, though, are here because they're, they're at Tulane. The guys that we ended up doing the show, and I was working with another buddy of mine. This was a few years after I'd done the, you know, the narrative movie thing. A buddy of mine who was also an architect, who was a writer, and I decided it'd be cool to do a show on some of these programs in architecture. We were trying to figure out a way that we could use our architecture and filmmaking. So we tried to do it at Auburn because they have a program there, but it didn't make sense. It wasn't going to work. And then Katrina happened, and I happened to know one of the guys. Well, I knew some of the people that taught here, and I called up, and they were totally receptive. And there's a guy, Byron Mouton, who's been building these houses with students around town. I'm sure you've driven by. He's done 17 or so of them with the students and they're pretty amazing they do them in one year and we did a we followed them around documentary style kind of fly on the wall style is it like modernist sort of structures yeah yeah this is uh, along the lines of the make it right uh homes but but not not associated with the yeah the make Make it right cheap you mean yeah yeah yeah. though these are these are probably better these are mostly uptown they're um, still standing. Yeah, yeah, they're still oh, okay. standing. Well, these are not the make it right homes. Are no, all, no, no, no. These are collapsed. Yeah, on themselves. no. These are these are fine. Actually, I think all of them are still standing, and they're pretty well done. I mean, Byron does a really good job. But we followed. The, we did one year. I think it was like their fifth house. Followed them around, and it got. It was six episodes, thirty-minute episodes for Sundance Channel, and they promoted it. It got really good press, and uh, we got nominated for an IDA award, which is kind of what they tell me is like the Documentary Academy Awards, okay. right? You know, so we went in for that for a limited series, and ended up winning that that award. Which right. um, yeah, it was really cool. Actually, I, I, I mean, you know, when you're in LA in Hollywood, you run into people all the time, celebrities. But one of my coolest celebrity things was. We were at the IDA Awards in the backstage, I guess in the green room, waiting to go out to get the award or do whatever. And Elvis Costello's across the room for some show that he did. I'm not even sure what it was. Okay. Forget what year it would have been. But anyway, the dude looks over at us and asks somebody something, and he walks over to us and starts talking to us. He's like, he's like I saw your show. I love, I love your show. Oh wow! <laughs> He's like, I'm like, I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be saying that to you, right? Anyway, it was really cool. He talked to us for about ten minutes. You know, he knew. I mean, I guess he was a bit of an architecture geek. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So nice. that show actually, it made me feel like get. You know how it takes a while before you feel validated enough to say you're a filmmaker. You know, I mean, it's you're not kind of like embarrassed but yeah after that i felt like yeah you know i worked on i worked on a couple that got made which actually right there most people don't get shit made so i felt like at least having produced screenplays took me out of the pack of you know the joke in california is everybody's got two jobs their job and screenwriting you know so um you know it felt like i i had that done but doing this made me feel better about that so yeah I thought Elvis was going to ask you where he he could score (laughs) (laughs) he might have gotten to that later (laughs) that might have happened yeah could have been 
Well, uh, we're, we're kind of on the downslope of the podcast, and I actually, uh, when I was uh, touching base with you earlier, I said, well, you know, you could ask us uh, a question or something if you wanted. And you thought, well, you, you said, well, maybe I'll ask you what your favorite films are. So I'll turn it around on you. So uh, name three of your favorite films. Not the best, what you think are the best no, no. films, but this your is, favorite yeah. films. Well, yeah. we already know Blood Simple. Yeah, right? yeah. So I have to preface this a little bit. I did this because I taught film classes. And I kind of did it just to get people talking. And I'd say... I had can, kind of came up with a, with a structure. Give me your favorite five films, but it could be three, anywhere between three and five. The rules are they're not ranked. They're not the best movies ever made. They're what you think yeah. is your favorite film. It can change tomorrow. I'm asking you what right. it is right now. Okay. And I realized when you do that, and you get that information. It's a little bit like this psychological it's a Rorschach test. test. It is yeah. a Rorschach test. You can tell a lot. I mean, if somebody, and oh, and one of the other ones, it has to be theatrically, theatrically released. It couldn't be so obscure that nobody would know about it because then right. it was no use, right? right. So, um, yeah. So anyway, my favorite. Could it be a porno film? Why no, not? because no, okay. well, right. yeah, All it right. could be porno if it's like um, Last Tango knows. in Paris. Right. Oh, okay. If you if you count that, right, yeah, right, I could right. count. Or Behind the Green Door. Right. Maybe that's probably borderline because most people do kind of know because that. Because 70s, 60s, and 70s yeah, yeah. porns had stories. That's true. Right. That's true. It's those not, those would those probably would count if yeah. they were on your list. Okay. Yeah. Manny so my a loophole. So right. my five are Wizard of Oz, wow. Cabaret, Blood Simple. Blade Runner, and one one's joined the list relatively recently is Ex Machina. Really? Yeah. Wow. Have you seen that one? I have. I yeah. have. What's that movie? I haven't seen it. It's a sci-fi movie. It's from uh, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I forget yeah. the guy's name. Interesting, a, but uh, yeah, yeah. Same as none of those five would be on mine. Really? Yeah. None of yeah, those. me either. Yeah. Do you, do you know <laughs> what do you your have a three? You, do you, you have, have three? your three? Uh, Doctor Strange, love. That's uh, great. That's great. You know, um, Chinatown. Great. Because I can watch Chinatown anytime. Yeah, yeah. It comes that's great. On. And um, I think King of Comedy. We were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Film that's, that that's, that's a great one. it comes on, I will watch it. Right. You know? Those so. movies that when you see, if you just scrolling across cable when yeah. people had cable and it was yeah. on, you'd have to watch it till the end. Yes, those kind of movies. Yeah. So you want to hear what mine are? Yeah. So okay, and these are just uh, <clears throat> movies that that most people would not name. But oh, and Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah, the new one. With no, no, Jake no, 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 no. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> the classic. Yeah. The Patrick Swayze. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. So okay, so that's we'll get back to that because that's a red flag right there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's problematic, <laughs> right there. But yeah. So mine, uh, uh, number one, the ice storm. Oh, that's oh, good. Okay, I love that movie. What's that correct director's name? I think it's Wang Lee. Uh, Ang, Ang, yeah, Ang, Ang Lee. Ang Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he made a, every oh, movie he's made movie. is different, but yeah. uh, but that one is it because it's a very small picture. It's all people standing in rooms, either talking or standing silently, which is my favorite thing in a movie where people are uncomfortable. His dream to have a key party uncomfortably in a room <laughs> together. Yes, yes. It it's has really, a key party. Yeah, yeah. It, it has. Uh, it, it, it's it's exactly from me and Manny's like childhood. 
age, you know, right. like we can identify with these characters. We remember when sociologically all the shit was going on. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, Kevin Klein, uh, a young uh, uh, great uh, cast, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Richie, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lionel Richie. Uh, yeah, Lionel Richie. No, yeah. no, uh, Christina Richie. You're right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Christina yeah. Richie. Um, yeah. And so, so I love that movie. Uh, also, uh, most people die at the or there's deaths, and then it's oh, everybody's yeah. sad at the end, and nobody's talking. It's a very, it's a great it's a ending. It's a great ending. Yeah. So uh, number two, uh, High Art. Remember that movie, High oh, Art? Oh yeah, with um, Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy. And yeah. uh, New Orleanian uh, Patricia Clarkson. Oh, she's uh, great. As, as yeah. A, yeah. Uh, second lead. That's great. It's uh, all about uh, you know New York dope fiends. Oh yeah. Uh, artistic dope fiends, and uh, I love that. And then I was trying to think of a third, and I was like, oh, there's so many great ones. Uh, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I know that's it's a fantastic. favorite of Manny's. That's uh, fantastic. You know, again, uh, Apocalypse Now, anytime it comes on, I have to watch it till the end. Uh, you know. Well, the cool thing about it is you can look, I mean, you can tell a lot by a person, you know, about somebody else if you hear their movies. Like your directors are Kubrick, Polanski, and Scorsese, right? Yeah. So they're big, really good yeah. directors. I mean, mine, I, you know, what a Wizard of Oz, I don't know, I forget the director's name. I realized that I thought I didn't like musicals, and two of my top five musicals are, I mean, m movies are Cabaret, Wizard of Oz yeah, and yeah. Cabaret. I love Cabaret, I gotta say. Man. Cabaret's an unbelievable movie, right? And Wizard of Oz, I think, is more because I grew up, and it's probably the movie I've seen more than ever, so it, it's, it's, it's important to me because it's kind of the first movie that I loved. Mm -hmm. But I also realized that female lead in Wizard of Oz, female lead in Cabaret... Um, are related to each other. Not really. <laughs> they're not, but they're at least they're... Oh, they are? Oh, oh Judy Garland, oh, yeah, Liza right. Minnelli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't even make that connection. You're not gay, are you? <laughs> No. Well, not yet. I don't think so. No, I might be, actually. No. <laughs> he didn't even That's realize. Weird. <laughs> see, I haven't even made that... Like, see how... Um, there's so many ways you can... Even your own movies. Like, right? if you think about... The movies you just named off, there's going to be something about oh, yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I know all. No, I'm not even. <laughs> I'm not. You even know, you're dysfunctional, yeah, yeah. right? No, like, yeah, no, I know why I like those movies. <laughs> that's why Roadhouse worries me. You know, we've talked about this before. Just it's like an argument turns turns into a fist fight. Right. The fist fight turns into a knife fight. Right. The knife fight turns into a gunfight. People are dead. Right. You know, and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. The characters are just violent, unlikable people. Right. And even the director of the movie, his first name is Rowdy. Right. You know? That's right. He was a stunt guy. Yeah, right. he was a stunt man. Right, right. And, you know? And ben Gazzara's in it. Yeah, Ben Gazzara. That's right. He's the heavy. And he was in all the uh, the uh, Cassavetes movies, right? Well, that's the, yeah. See, you talk about, the, you know, I, I pick three famous directors, yeah, but yeah. I also like, you know, Abel Ferreira, his oh, films. Yeah. I could watch all his films. Bad Lieutenant, and, right? Yeah, and be third, and King, uh, King of New York. Yeah, yeah. And be thoroughly enjoyed. And he went from doing like sci fi, violent, you know, killer film into doing the more dramatic stuff like Bad yeah. Lieutenant and stuff like that. I could watch his films. And if you ever get a chance to see him. I think there's a few films that he does like his own narration commentary on his right. films. He's hilarious to listen to. Really? He's fucking a New the Yorker. Director cuts or yeah, director yeah. commentary. Yeah, he right. talks over it. Yeah, he, he talks over. Like like in King of New York, where uh, Christopher Walken gets out of prison and he's taking his first real shower, 
And Abel Ferrer says something like, well, the whole crew was there in this scene when Christopher Watkins taking a shower because we wa- all wanted to see his beautiful hair get wet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know he's just, he, he wasn't talking about the artistic value of the shot. Or, right. ah, we just wanted to see it. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's little Steve Buscemi. He's in every scene and he looks like a fucking wimp. You know, I love that about him. That's I love great. that about him. You know, so I could see any one of his films. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I, it actually, I should probably, that'd be a good, anyway. It's a, it's Let a good way to test Let me ask you one question. Yeah. Let me just ask you, because I, I, I've always thought, you know, there are so many movies, because I think Hollywood really, for me, as I get older and stuff, they're just running out of stuff. Right. So they just keep rehashing the same five scripts yep. Yep. and stuff like that. Are they still from Broadway? Broadway steals from Hollywood. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but really, uh, what... What right now in Hollywood is is driving you to go pay a ticket, uh, go buy a ticket, to see this stuff? Because I, I look at the stuff today, and I'm like, I I don't want to see this. This is just awful, you know. It, it's just it's just it doesn't. It, there's no because they're just there's no. It's the same formula over and over again. It's TV now. Yeah, right? well that's it. Streaming. Yeah. It's TV. Yeah. Even if you look at all the actors, the directors. The producers, they're all doing TV. I mean, there's, as a writer, and that's what I'm trying to be still involved in, and that's what I mostly write now, is is a series, right? I mean, you get, think about it, you get six, eight, ten, twelve hours. It's a long-form movie. Yeah, to, yeah. Deal, to deal with characters. So every movie that we've named, pretty much, there's one main actor. There's very few, entourage, I mean, kind of entourage type movies. I mean, Ice Storm, maybe, you know, a few of them kind of pull it off. But in a in a series, you can do that. But you're right. I mean, I, I'm hoping, because I do like the experience of going to the theater and seeing something big, although I'm so sad that most of the movies seem like infomercials now. Like, the whole well, Marvel thing is like just infomercials, and right? And I think, yeah, exactly. And I also think since probably the mid to late 90s, when you watch a movie now, there are like 15 to 20 producers. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? It's like, what the fuck happened to the fucking strong one producer? With a vision. With yes. the vision, who gets the director who has, shares the same vision and says, let's make this. Right. I, I watch a movie now, and there's 20 producers. You know, 15, 20 producers. It's like... It's like, what the fuck is this? It's executive producer, producer, associate producer. It's crazy because you have to look at Woody Allen's movies. He always worked with those same Holland's two guys. Holland's Joffy, Holland's Joffy. Right, Joffrey. right. Yeah, Rollins' Joffy. You know, Tarantino works with that one, or worked with that one guy forever, maybe still. I mean, Scorsese. Works I mean, with, um, you know, I mean. Erwin Winkler and, yeah. and Shardoff. And, 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 and you had guys like Robert Evans who was doing Godfather. Right. And John, and John. Yeah. Kid yeah. stays in the picture. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's a great book. <laughs> yeah, that's that a, is a great book. That's a great, great documentary. Great, great documentary. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I think is spoiling it right yeah. now is there's just too many fucking producers. And I think this came up when I saw this thing. Um, Polanski did an interview about Chinatown. And he mentioned it. He goes, he says there's this old Polish proverb where uh, when there's too many cooks, nobody eats. You know, yeah. which is true because you see these movies with five, 10, 20 producers and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. 
No. It's, Too many people. Because everybody has to put their two cents in. There you go. Everybody's going to have to do something. Also get, they also, they find ways to get the money. Right, yeah. right, right. this shit. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, man, anyway. we obviously could talk forever on this. Yeah. And uh, we all love movies. Go look at all these movies, folks. Uh, go check it out, all these uh, films we just named. And uh, God, it's so much fun, Stan. That was you know, great. That's you great. and I, like me and Manny, never run out of things to talk about. We could talk <laughs> movies forever, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you so much, Stan. It's yeah. been a thrill having you on finally. And uh, as always in the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. <laughs>